Today's sermon comes to us from our new teaching series, Tattoo My Soul. That idea comes to us from Deuteronomy chapter 11, which says, Write my words on your heart and in your soul. Do whatever it takes to remember what I'm telling you. And then he gives all these different ways that you can do that. You can write it on doors. You can write it on your clothes. You can talk about it. But then he says, when you do these things, this is why you do these things, so that as long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your family may be blessed and flourish. If you read this book, if you remember what it says, if you walk it out, he's going to bless you. You're going to flourish. doesn't mean you're going to be rich and Never have problems, but you're going to have the blessings of God encouraging you in this very difficult life that we've all been given. So, there's lots of ways to remember what God says. You can read this book. You can memorize scripture. You can write it down. One of my favorite things is to take a verse that speaks to me and then turn it into a piece of art. Because as I do, I just process it and I think about it and I end up even almost on accident, writing the words on my heart and in my soul. As a result of this idea of turning Scripture into art, we have put out there for you guys an art challenge, and it will go until September 16th, so you have a little less than a month, to take this idea of tattooing our soul or our heart with Scripture. And the specific Scripture that we want you to create a piece of art around is encourage love, and good deeds, our mission statement for the fall. So what is your, what comes into your mind, what's your idea of what it would look like to tattoo the words on your heart or in your soul, encourage, love, and good deeds? Or what would it look like to tattoo those words, just the word encourager on your heart or in your soul? So you have until September 16th to write a poem, take a picture, create something digitally, paint something, sketch something. I don't care. All mediums are welcome. All we ask is try to make it portrait orientation because we want to take your art and turn it into prayer cards and put it on the app. And we'll put, say, this, this was made by Johnny, this was made by Susie. Or we'll print the cards and we'll use them as a Bible study. So you'll get to see your art as a Bible study at some point this semester. Other things to know are we're going to pick first, second, and third place prizes, uh, um, pieces, and prizes will be first place, 200 bucks, second place, 100 bucks, and third place, 50 bucks. Because we want to incentivize you to just take this idea that you're creators, made by the creator. So let's use our creative gifts. Um, that is all I have to say about that. Let's keep going. So we have built this sermon, I have built this sermon as your pastor around my own personal quiet times, my own time every day where I sit down with Jesus and I read scripture and talk to him about it, where I read the word and I pray about it. Um, If I am expecting you guys to be encouragers of love and good deeds, I need to be an encourager of love and good deeds, and my quiet time helps me do that. If I expect you to write God's truth on your heart and in your soul, I need to do that. And so I'm going to be having quiet times this semester, and I hope you do too. I love having them in the morning. Maybe you like them at night. But take time every day to read God's word. I don't care if it's 10 minutes. It will be a game changer for you. You can do it on the way to school. You can do it when you first wake up, whenever works for you. But I'm going to be doing that. And so on Thursday Thursday morning last week, God gave me the meat of our sermon today. 
And my quiet time started off over there at Panther Creek Starbucks last Thursday with me writing down, good morning, Father. Thank you for today. Thank you for a great small group leader training last night. What would you say to me today, Lord? And I just opened my Bible, trusting that wherever I landed, it'd be in Scripture, so it'd be applicable. And it was interesting because I opened to Psalm 118. This idea of the sermon series, Tattoo My Soul, part of the inspiration is I tattoo one verse a year on my arm that I know this is, this is like what God wants me to focus on this year. And back in 2011, God had me take a verse and tattoo it and press into it all year long, every day, and it was Psalm 118. So it was interesting to me that I'm going to be preaching in this series called Tattoo My Soul, and I just opened my Bible to one of the most pivotal verses of that journey for me, Psalm 118. The main thing, not the only thing, but the main thing God was working on me in that year was, I think he was impressing upon me, Justin, you have a weakness, and we're all people, so we all have a weakness. And he was letting me know, Justin, you, you fear and even revere people more than me, more than God. And that's a weakness for you, because I'm God, and you should look to me first, and you should come to me first, not people. People are great, people are good, but we are not God, so why aren't you coming to me first? Now, so this sermon can be personal for you. Maybe it'll be through my story, but it might be through yours. I invite you right now, take your brown prayer tag. The white card is for notes, and I encourage you to take notes every sermon. The brown tag is for your prayers, and we're going to start a prayer right now. On that brown prayer tag, maybe towards the middle of the card, I just want you to take a moment and ask the Lord, what is my greatest weakness? And you might already know what it is. It could be a temptation to sin. It could be um, some unforgiveness you've got towards somebody, but God knows better than we do what, even what our own weaknesses are. Just ask the Lord, what's my greatest weakness? And as you think or feel like, oh, that's it, man, just write it down. Maybe a way to think about it as you're writing is, what is that one thing in my life that keeps me from turning to you, running to you? Maybe it's just laziness, you guys. There's no shame in that. I, I get lazy all the time. But maybe it's laziness is keeping you from the Lord and turning to him first. But just be asking the Lord, both now and throughout the sermon, what's my greatest weakness or fear? What's keeping me from turning to you? And as you are impressed upon by, it's this. Just own it and write it down. And now that that's there, as I continue the sermon, be thinking about, okay, what, God, what do you have to say to me as we walk through Psalm 118? Psalm 118, verses 1 through 4 is the beginning. It says, give thanks to the Lord, for he's good, and his faithful love endures forever. Let all Israel repeat, his faithful love endures forever. Let Aaron's descendants, the priests, repeat his faithful love endures forever. Let all who fear the Lord repeat. His faithful love endures forever. When God repeats himself in Scripture, man, we better pay attention. And he just repeated the same thing four times. I wonder if it's important. His faithful love endures forever. I feel like we should define that word endure. Here's some simple definitions for the word endure. It could mean to hang on, right, to not let go, to remain, to not run away, 
or to continue, like when things get hard. If God's love endures, that means he's always going to hang on to us. He's always going to remain with us. He's always going to continue with us. And so when we write out and acknowledge that God's faithful love endures forever, we can know in our hearts that God is telling us four times, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never give up on you. And that's good news. And that's worth writing down. Because the psalm wrote it down four times, I invite you. Whatever fear you just wrote down, I would invite you right now. Write down the words, God's faithful love for me endures forever. And I would encourage you maybe to write it right over your fear, right over your weakness. I would encourage you to write it out four times, students. God's faithful love for me endures forever. That is worth remembering. You may need to remember that desperately before the week is out. So go ahead and write it down. Write it on yourself. God, your faithful love for me endures forever. So, in my quiet time after I read this passage, I wrote these words. Whether in good times or bad, it benefits us to remember, to remind ourselves, to write and rewrite this truth in our hearts. God's faithful love for me endures forever. Jesus, you have called us to a season of encouragement. And so, Help us encourage ourselves to remember this truth. God's faithful love for me endures forever. It's not just worth writing down. It's worth making into art and hanging in your house or on your mirror every day. I need that reminder every day, and I guarantee you probably do too. I don't know if I can guarantee and then say probably. I just guarantee it. My quiet time continued and I kept reading through Psalm 118. In my distress, anybody had any distress lately? Didn't you just start a new year of school? Yeah, you know distress. In my distress, what did he do? He prayed to the Lord. And the Lord answered me, and he set me free. And I love this line. The Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Yes, the Lord is for me. He will help me. I will look in triumph at those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes or celebrities. The Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. That's worth writing down a thousand times. Like, I picture myself at a blackboard just writing it over and over. You guys, the Lord is for you. He's behind you. He loves you, period. So have no fear. And aren't we fearful people? Don't we live in a fearful generation? You should have no fear because God is for you. I would encourage you to write that one down too. And then I love this. It is better, says God, to trust in me than people, princes, celebrities. Our gut reaction when we're scared, at least for me, is to turn to people, powerful people, popular people. That's, that's just my go-to. I don't know why. But I turn to people first. And God said, worship me, put me first. And so when I do that, 
It's not the worst thing in the world, but it's a sin. It's not God's best for me. God says, it is better for you, and it is better for me to turn to Jesus first. You need help from some people? You need some wisdom? Awesome. But ask Jesus first, and then ask him after. You need some assistance? You got questions? You got fears? You want to go and get some help? Great, but turn to Jesus first, because right here he says, it's better. It's the best. It's better to trust in God. When I read this, I I had this image as I was sitting there in my quiet time of two mountain climbers. Let's say one's experienced and scared and one's, uh, sorry, one's experienced and and unafraid and one is inexperienced, like it's their first time and they're freaking out. And so imagine if this guy on the lower end of this picture is super scared and what's the worst thing he could do right then is look down and just see how much there is to be afraid of, how much there is to freak out about. If this experienced climber is worth his salt, he's going to say to that guy, don't look down, look at me. Isn't that what they do in the movies and scenes like this? Don't look down, look at me. You guys, that's God's heart for every single one of us. Don't freak out. Don't start running around or running away. Don't look down, look at me. That's God's heart for us. You look at me, you lock eyes with me. I'll help you through this, I'll tell you what to do, but we can't do that if we freak out and run off. And I think this is God saying to us, don't look down, student. Don't be afraid. Don't be pushed around by your fear. You look at me. Take refuge in me. How do we do that? By remembering that Jesus is for us. And so again, if you haven't already, I would encourage you right now to write down the words, Jesus is for me. And so I will have no fear. Great thing to remember. My quiet kind Quiet time continued, and I wrote down this continuation of Psalm 118, verses 10 through 12. Though hostile nations surrounded me. Use your imagination as I read these words. Picture yourself. Though hostile nations, barbarians that wanted to kill me, though they surrounded me, I destroyed them all with the authority of the Lord. What an awesome picture. Yes, they surrounded and attacked me. But I destroyed them all with the authority of the Lord. They swarmed against me like bees. They blazed against me like a crackling fire. But I destroyed them all with the authority of the Lord. I want to ask you guys a question. Do you think that even today that you are surrounded by hostile nations that wanted to destroy you and attack you? Do you does anybody believe that? Nobody? I got one. I got two. Are there hostile nations surrounding us that want to kill us in this life? Yes. Yes, there are. Swarming like bees, blazing like fire. Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 12 says, God is strong and he wants you to be strong. So take everything that he has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials. Imagine that. God has laid down well-made weapons of the best materials for you to be strong. If that's the first time you're hearing about it as a pastor, I'm sorry, but they're there. And once they're there, what's he say? Put them to use so that you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. For we are not fighting 
against flesh and blood enemies. We're not fighting against people in this world, in this life, no matter how much we might disagree with each other. We are fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I would ask, student, do you believe in the devil? Because he believes in you. Genesis to Revelation, first book of the Bible to the last, the devil and demons are all throughout Scripture. A huge percentage of Jesus' miracles on earth had to do with casting out demons and rebuking the enemy. Why? Why should that concern us? Because not only is the devil real, not only are we surrounded by attacking armies and hostile nations, they, they hate us. And why? Because when Jesus died on the cross and sacrificed his life, he made a way for each of us to go to heaven when we die. What good news? And heaven is the very place that the devil and demons were kicked out of. They don't get to go back. And so they hate us for it. And they are mad with jealousy. Revelation chapter 12, the great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world has been thrown down to the earth by God with all of his fallen angels. And terror has come on the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down in great anger, knowing that he has little time. That sounds pretty scary. <laughs> Seriously? Those things are down here with us? I don't like that. Until I remember, read, and write on my heart what else happened that day on the cross. Colossians chapter 2, God has made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. Not that he's gonna, he already did it. You feel guilty? He's already forgiven you. And he canceled the record of the charges against us, and he took it away by nailing it to the cross, and in this way, he disarmed our spiritual adversaries. So those hostile nations that are out there, they ain't got no more weapons. They've been disarmed by the power of the cross. So yes, the devil and demonic forces, spiritual icky things out there in the unseen, they're very real. They're down here. They're furious, but they have been disarmed. And so what does someone who's disarmed have left to attack with? The same thing any bully has, lies and intimidation. You ever heard, especially like in those dark moments of night when you wake up and you're just freaking out, you ever heard things like you're small, you're broken, you're gross? You ever hear things like you're, you're no good, you, God doesn't love you? Students, in those moments, and I speak from experience, you are not alone. That's the enemy lying to you and intimidating you. You ever have fear come over you so strong you don't even know what to do? It's like you can barely think. That's the enemy pushing you around with the only tool he has left, lies and intimidation. If you think that that voice is the God who loves you and whose love endures forever, 
Because that's what the enemy wants, to make you think it's God judging and condemning you. You're wrong. It's the one who's deceiving the whole world. That's the voice of the enemy. He's a liar and he's a bully. So when you feel those lies and you feel pushed around, that is not your savior and your friend and your God who loves you forever. That's the enemy attacking you. So, just so we're clear, God doesn't hate anyone in this room. Never has, never will. But the devil does. He hates us. He's furious with us. And whether you know it or not, every single day that you wake up on this planet, you are in a battle with dark, demonic forces, and they are attempting to lie to us and intimidate us in a very specific way. They are trying to rob us of our identity in Christ and our purpose in Christ. So, I would ask, just for you, between you and the Lord, what is it that you are looking to in those moments of fear and weakness to help you? Because hiding your hurts, if you put on a mask like I, I've done, that's not going to save you. That's not going to help. If you are numbing your feelings by self-medicating with drugs or alcohol or whatever your thing is, it's not going to help you. It's not going to save you. If you are using self-help tricks, man, they might get you through like a moment, but that's not going to help you or save you. The only thing that will save us is God's well-made weapons of war that he has laid out before us. What are those? It's so simple. It's, it's ridiculous and wonderful. Your and my well-made weapons of war are the words of Jesus Christ, which means this book. Your weapon of war is praying to Jesus who listens and answers prayer. Your weapon of war is worshiping Jesus, especially on those days and nights when you're scared the most. When we are under attack, when your mind is just being lit up and bombarded with negativity, and we use these weapons that Jesus has given us, I like to use my imagination and imagine like when I read the Bible, when I pray, when I worship, it's like my soul is like flame on, like lit up with fire, filled with power. And when I read scripture, especially out loud, even if I'm alone in my room, when I pray and say, Jesus, help me, save me now, when I sing in the middle of the night alone in my room because I just know there's something icky in here, it's like light explodes in me and the enemy can't stand it. He can't bear it and he's gotta go. I wanna give you guys a visual of what it might look like the next time you are being bombarded with thoughts of weakness or shame or guilt, next time you feel like, man, there's something here messing with me, and you will stop and just open your Bible and read. Or you will just stop and pray to Jesus for help. Or you will just stop and start singing a worship song, no matter where you are. I'm going to give you this visual, but you need to know, it's a little scary. It comes from a, a movie that has some demonic stuff in it. So we're going to show one clip. I think it's pretty cool. But if you don't like scary stuff, that's okay. Close your eyes. But check this out. We're born, right. we're born capable of terrible things. But then sometimes something else comes along that gives us just the right nudge. Well, this has been real educational, but I don't believe in the devil. You should. He believes in you. 
like. What? We should go. Close your eyes. Why? Suit yourself. You mean stay in hell, huh? everyone the first time. It's a sulfur. I want to talk about what we just saw and then get right back into scripture. You know what I love about that clip? I love Keanu Reeves' reaction to like the fact that d demonic forces were coming at him. I love that he was never afraid and he didn't run away. Why was he so fearless? Because he was confident in the tools of his trade. What are the tools of our trade when we are battling the enemy? Reading about Jesus, praying to Jesus, worshiping Jesus. Those are our ways of just blasting light through the spiritual realm. And the enemy has the same reaction, just gone. Why do we look to Jesus? Why do we call on the name of Jesus when fear, shame, guilt, or demonic things attack us? I'll give you three reasons, and I love every one of them. Luke chapter 4, verse 41. Jesus placed his hands on the sick, and he healed them. And their demons left in droves, screaming, You are the Son of God! You guys, demons are terrified of our friend Jesus. Matthew 8, 16. Many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. Right there, I love the fact. It was not like a surprise or a mystery there was demonic things in Jesus' day. Everybody knew they were out there. Many people that had demons were brought to Jesus, and he cast out the evil spirits with a simple command. Demons are no match for our Savior, Jesus. A word, and they go. James chapter 2, verse 19 you say you have faith, for you believe that there's one God, well, good for you. But even the demons believe this, and at least they tremble in terror. Demons tremble at the name of Jesus. Now you think, yeah, well, he's Jesus. I don't have that kind of power. I can't handle that kind of situation, Justin. Can't you? John chapter 14, verse 12 Jesus talking, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater things because I am going to be with the Father. 
Jesus just said that you and I will do greater things in this life if we will believe in the fact that he's greater than the enemy, that he disarmed them, that there's power in reading scripture, prayer, and worship. We will be able to be accomplishing, doing things greater than what he did on this life, in this life. That's incredible. I want some of that. James chapter 4, verse 6 through 8, fight against the devil and his schemes. If you do, he will run away in failure. Jesus just said, if we stand up, read God's word, pray God's word, sing God's word, the enemy can't take it. He will run away in failure. In Matthew 10, 6 through 7, Jesus said, to his disciples, that's me, that's you, right now, go to the lost and confused people right there in your neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom of heaven is here. Bring health to the sick, raise the dead, touch the untouchables, and kick out the demons. Jesus just said, not only can you, but you should do these things by the power of my name, using your well-made weapons of warfare. So, how do we do all those things? Again, read, pray, and worship in the name of Jesus. Weapon number one, thinking of God's enduring love, we need to be a people who hang on to the Bible. Read God's word every day. Let it fill your mind. Write it on your heart. The next time the devil hits you, it could happen today, with thoughts of low self-esteem. You ever get hit with thoughts like that? What if the next time you did that, you would open your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 2? If you struggle with low self-esteem, write that down. 1 Peter chapter 2. What if next time you get hit with that, you open that and read that and see where it says, you are God's treasured possession. How can I have low self-esteem when God himself, my creator, says, you are my treasured possession? The enemy can't stand up to that. What if the next time devil hits you with an idea like, I just need to give up. I'm no match for this. You open to Luke chapter 9 that says, don't run from suffering Embrace it. Follow me, and I will show you how. The Bible says we should rejoice in suffering. There's opportunities in our suffering. We are growing up in a generation that just says, run from it. What if next time you embrace it and turn to God and say, how? Well, he's going to tell you. Next time devil hits you with thoughts of, man, God's ashamed of me. God's mad at me. God's given up on me. What if you open to Psalm 118? And read and write down the faithful love of the Lord for me endures forever. So hogwash to this idea that God's ashamed of me or turned his back on me. Weapon number two, remain in prayer. Tell God if you're afraid and then ask him for help. It's not very revolutionary. Talk to God about your fear and ask for help. I was praying this, this last Thursday over at Starbucks out on the patio I was wrestling with some self-doubt, and I was like, the enemy's behind this. Here's what I prayed. Jesus, I give you my self-doubt, as I should. Help me, heal me, embolden and encourage me. 
And then I just got like medieval in my prayers. Jesus, punch my enemy in the throat. Step on his face. Cut out his forked tongue. Shatter his bones. End him. And right as I was praying that, I looked at my leg because I was like something on it. And I looked down at my leg, and there was a brown recluse spider on my leg. They have a violin-shaped pattern on their back. I've never seen one before, but they are the second most poisonous spider in America. And I looked down at my leg after praying against the enemy, and I'm like, ha! I think it's going to kill me right now. Everything in me wanted to freak out in that moment. But I was like, no, 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 no. I remained calm, flicked them off of my leg, and then I stabbed them into the earth with a stick. Spider killer. What was really cool was that as I did that and sat back down, I felt the strongest impression on my heart by God saying to me, when you were praying just now against the enemy, that's what I did to him. I just, because you prayed. Student, you got the same power. The next time you feel afraid, stay calm, say a prayer, and trust. Man, God's just like, hey, devil, out of here. It's that easy for him. Weapon number three, continue to worship. Sing through your storm. Sing through your pain and your fear. I love this story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. On his way to war, a king stopped and he said, Listen to me, my people. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in what he has said and you will succeed. Now, after consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army. He put the singers in front of the battle-hardened troops with all their armor and swords. And he said, sing to the Lord and praise him. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. And the story says, at the very moment that they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the enemy armies to destroy each other. The minute they praised God against an insurmountable force, God was like, Wah! and caused the enemy to destroy themselves. So they didn't even have to fight. They didn't have to lift a finger because they worshiped through their fear. When we use the tools that God has made for us, provided for us on this earth where the enemy is everywhere, we get to see the enemy destroyed by the authority of the Lord and our faith in him and that his way works, is better for us, is the best for us. My favorite personal way to do this is I will often wake up at like two or three in the morning and just fears of the future hit me. And it's crippling. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but, but it's, it's, almost, it's common for me. But I have grown to appreciate those moments when I wake up in the middle of the night because I'm like, oh, I get to sing. And right there in bed, or I'll step out so I don't wake up Brooke and my very noisy baby. Sorry about that. I love him. He can cry all he wants. I will step out and I will sing my first hymn, the first song I learned as a Christian way back when I was a, a little guy. Jesus loves me, this I know, 
For the Bible tells me so. I will sing that over and over. And things change as I do, as I sing to Jesus by faith. Because as I sing those words, it reminds me, Jesus loves me. So I don't need to worry about these, this guilt trip the enemy's throwing at me, this fear. It reminds me, Jesus died for me. So even if this enemy shows up and just kills me, I'm going to be with him. It's okay. It reminds me, Jesus fights for me. And how am I reminded? Why do I know all that? Because the Bible tells me so. And as I sing, I will imagine a scene like the one we just saw. That as I sing, light is just exploding out of me by the power of Jesus, just burning through the ranks of the enemy. And you guys, every single time I do it, a peace falls over me, over my house, and I'm able to go back to bed calmly. What if next time you find yourself in that circumstance, you will sing that same song or something like it and just know Jesus loves me. He died for me. He fights for me. I will not be afraid. Bailey and company, take the stage. You guys have your prayer cards. I invite you, if you would like us to pray for them, to bring them up and drop them in the offering boxes, and there's one in the back. We have communion. Man, Jesus' body was broken, his blood was spilled, so that we could attain to these tools and use them and see victory. So take communion. But here's how we're going to respond today. The beauty of worship is this. Our three weapons are what? Read God's word, pray God's word, sing God's word. That last one is all three wrapped in one. We sing God's word as a prayer. As we worship this morning, I want you to take whatever weakness or fear you wrote down, imagine it in your mind, and then sing at it in the name of Jesus. And know that in the spiritual realm, those unseen forces are being blazed through by the fire of God. It is real. It's a tool. Use it. We don't bring you in here to sing because you sound great, although many of you do. We sing in the name of Jesus because it's a weapon of war. So use it. Read your Bibles this week. Pray this week. Sing this week. We're going to sing right now. I'm going to pray for us. And let's wage some war and cry out to God. Bow your heads. Jesus, thank you for today. It's a good day. We've got good news in our minds and our hearts today. Help us use what we've been told. Help us wield your mighty weapons of warfare. We don't have to sing. We get to. We don't have to read the Bible. We get to. We don't have to pray. We get to. Because they are weapons that just cut through the lies of the enemy that cut down the enemy, that burn through him and cause him to be no more. I pray for no more lies, no more intimidation in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds. Use our worship. Set us free. In Jesus' name, amen.